Welcome back to the Nassiman Hockey Podcast. I'm John Zella. James is not able to be with us today, so we're going to jump right into our interview with Zach Andrews, better known as Stats by Zach. Thanks for joining NHP today. Of course. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Excited Tell to, me a l- to talk some numbers. Yeah, and we're, we're very interested. We're, we're very happy that you're here and can probably enlighten us a, a little bit on, on this subject. And you've had a lot of great Twitter threads and, and done a great job in explaining some of these things. And, and you've been mentioned on a lot of other shows, and I, I think that's great for the Islanders community. You're becoming the stats person, I think, and I think that's <laughs> it's very cool and uh, probably a much-needed specific thing that our community needs. How did you get started with this and, and why? Did you see the void and, and the need for it in, in the Islanders community and then just kind of jump on it and you had an interest? So I'm, I'm in grad school right now actually doing computer science. And, um, you know, I've always been interested in, in sports stats and I've always loved hockey. And I realized, I mean, there are a few of the big name guys like Evolving Wild and, and Micah Blake McCurdy, the uh, hockey viz and stuff. But besides a lot of the big guys and like a few middle guys, I mean, hockey stats is a pretty decently untapped uh, market compared to like baseball, basketball, especially soccer too. Um, and so it was always something that I, you know, I kind of figured like, Hey, I mean, untapped market a little, I love doing this stuff. Like, let me give it a shot. And then after last semester, so my fall semester, I, I realized I was like, well, I, I have a pretty good, you know, skill set now. I, I think I should probably, I, I might just give this a try. And then I made the account and started just tweeting out my, the first charts I made were the ones that I tweet out after every game, which is like the animated um, shots uh, of the game. So that was like the first one that I made. And I was like, oh, well, this is actually, you know, pretty useful. I can, I can build off this and just kind of grew from there. What has it taught you about the game that you didn't know or you weren't able to learn from just watching it? Because there must have been something there that you saw from other stats and charts and saying that there must be something to this. And I may as well... You know, you kind of narrowed in on, on, on the Islanders. If, uh, if you're for those watching, he has a, a fisherman jersey in the background. He told me it was Dobson before the show. There, there must have been something there that you're like, maybe maybe there's something to this. Um, so what has it kind of taught you about the game and, and, and more specifically about the Islanders? Yeah. So, I mean, hockey, it's it's a compare it to like baseball, which is like a I guess they kind of call it like a like a numbers game. I mean, just there's so much about hockey that is very difficult to measure and in some cases almost impossible to measure. And I think that's what interested me the most is that it was tougher than baseball. Like baseball, you have a set of outcomes. It's, it's dead set. Like, you know, this many outs, this many people on this event happened, but hockey, it's, it's a continuous game. And through, through using the stats that I've made, you know, I've, I've kind of been able to have a better idea of what teams are, actually good and what teams are actually bad and then one of the bigger things is figuring out which teams are good but kind of fluky and which teams are bad but you can expect to get better um one of my biggest tools is my expected goals model which for those not familiar with expected goals um the very very general idea is that every shot is it, it the expected goals model makes it so that every shot isn't weighted the same, right? I mean, you think about like a shot taken from 80 feet away from the net, that shouldn't count the same as a shot that's taken one foot away from the net. 
So the whole idea is get to kind of just get smarter with, with weighing down shots like that. And so through that, you know, I've been able to see like, okay, you know, this, this team's taking a lot of good shots. This team's taking a lot of bad shots, but you know, team a, you know, they're, they're doing a lot better than the other team, but we can expect them to regress because they're taking worse shots. Just, just general stuff like that. Do now it's more specifically about the Islanders. What do the overall stats tell you about the Islanders this season? Because I think we we've seen a tale of a lot of different teams, game to game, period to period. Um, I think there's you know aside from the numbers, I think there's something between the years. Um, there's a there's a clear issue with leadership and focus, and and there's something I think between the coach and the rest of the team that something is not connecting. The the, the wires are loose or. Or something, but on the numbers side, what what are you seeing, kind of broad strokes from from the club? I mean, I I personally like to I people talk about like the eye test versus analytics. I do love to combine them. I think it's it's not smart to use one without the other. I think they work really well together. And I mean, it, the analytics are showing what the eye test shows. I mean we're the third worst team on the power play in terms of goals for per game. That's just the, the one of the big things about us. And then, I mean, on app, like uh, even strength play, we're a pretty average team. We're a little above average on my expected goals for per game or per 60 metric and a little below average on expected goals against per 60. So what those stats tell us is that on average, we're generating about, a little more than league average expected goals per game, uh, only an even strength play. That's an important distinction with these. Um, we, we talk about even strength play a lot because, you know, that's when the, the battlefield's even, so to speak. But, I mean, they're an average team in that aspect. And then I think, I mean, Ilya Sorokin, per my, um, per my metrics, is probably the best goalie in the league right now. It's very tight between him and Olmark. I mean, you ask five different people, you'll probably get five different answers on who could be the Vesna winner there. But I think we're looking at like a pretty decent team in offense and defense metrics. And then Sorokin kind of just pushes them over the edge. So when you, and this is, um, th- this wasn't in our little prep notes cause I didn't want you to, to be unprepared. I think, you know, when you say Sorokin and Olmark and thinking about how different the Boston Bruins are and, and, and frankly just, you know, and we saw in that, I believe it was a six, two loss on a Saturday, um, I remember I was I was working at the bar and uh, it was a miserable afternoon. A bunch of Boston Bruins fans there, really, really giving it to me. But in, in thinking about how those teams are so different than than one another, I'm thinking about even just the strength of defense in front of the goaltenders. Are there metrics yet? You know, I, obviously we have things like giveaways, things like um, I don't know. Of course, he's still relevant, but there's you know high danger chances against when certain players are on the ice and possession and, and, and all of that is, I, I feel like there's something there when you're talking about the Islanders are a decent team. What is, does it take into account that, that type of thing? And like Olmark versus Sorokin as a more specific example is Sorokin that much better because the defense is that much worse in front of him. So is like, are, are we just not there yet in terms of the things that we can put together as far as that's concerned? Oh, no. So um, this is actually a debate I've seen going on on Twitter recently. Um, Sorokin is absolutely facing a tougher workload than Olmark is. 
So just a little background about the, the and I can tweet out this chart later too. Um, goal saved above expected is literally just expected goals minus goals allowed. So um, Sorokin is, I, I have it up here. Sorokin's number one in the league at 44 um, per my metrics. So that means he's faced however many expected goals, let in this many goals and goal saved above expected for him is 44. So the, I mean, the higher that is, the better the goalie is because um, obviously if you're letting in less goals than the expected goals you're facing, that means you're doing a pretty good job of stopping the ones that you are facing. So he's the highest in that stat. But another stat that I um, recently introduced was expected goals per or goals per expected goal. So the idea with that is to kind of standardize the workload for the two, for, for the goalies. Cause you think about if one goal, I mean, this is the, pretty much exact use case that we can use this for is that Sorokin's facing a really tough workload and he's doing really well with it, but Olmark shouldn't be punished because he's facing an easier workload. So like I said, Sorokin's at like a 44 goal saved above expected. Olmark is at a 36, but that's just because he's facing an easier workload than Sorokin. But now if we talk about goals per expected goal, Olmark is leading Sorokin. Um, I have it written down here. I think it's, it's so Olmark is letting in 0.69 goals per one expected goal faced, and Sorokin is letting in 0.73. So it's not a huge difference, but that does kind of answer the question of, okay, well, is this just is Sorokin's numbers just kind of good because he's facing this workload and doing well with it, um, or is it once you standardize them, you can kind of see like, all right, maybe Olmark is a little better in that stat, but I don't, I think it can go either way personally when when talking about the two of them. That's it's interesting. I feel like that's the answer to some of the questions about what what is an expected goal, and and I think I think it gives it a little bit more depth than I think a lot of people that are um, I don't say anti analytics, but just either don't understand it or I mean, it, frankly, it's above my head. This is absolutely helping. But I remember <laughs> I was I was listening to another podcast, and they were like, "Expected by whom? What? Who are the goals <laughs> expected?" You know, and I think it's real. I think it's really really funny. I was that was on the Steve Dangle podcast. And obviously they were joking because I think they they understand it to a degree as well. But they, it resonated with me because I think that's they're, they're, it's they're satirizing the comments like who are the goals expected? What like, what is that? What does that mean? And I think I'm, and, and this might take a little bit to, to catch on. And, and you're probably deeper into this, but goals per expected goals. Interesting so that you can see it's not just this 44 goals saved above expected yep. is is difficult but when when you talk about the actual goals that were let in then you can start to kind of provide it's it's just more contextualized yeah i mean the, the the best way that i kind of explain expected goals like to people that because like, it is like the first time i mean you you see these phrases thrown around twitter all the time and you're like well what, what does this even mean like what what are we talking about expected goals the the best like the easiest way that i try to explain it is that every shot is assigned a probability between zero and one of being a goal. And there are other, like it could go deeper saying like, yeah, it's technically you're not factoring in goalie play. You're not factoring in shooter talent. And then you can, because you can use these metrics to evaluate the two after, but the easiest way to explain it is that every shot has a zero a, between zero and one probability of being a goal. So a shot that's near one, that's obviously going to be a shot. That's really good because a one probability is a 100% chance that it's a goal. 
So it's kind of just adding more context. So if you're looking at shots on goal or, or Fenwick or Corsi or whatever it is, you can say all those shots are weighted just one, like it's a shot. But once you use expected goals, you're saying, all right, well, now we can kind of get an idea of shots that were better, shots that were worse, closer to the net, whatever context it, it might be. But um, it just it just helps add context to the shot. And and that's just on the low, lowest level that you can. I mean, you can break it into individual stats and team stats and everything, but that's just kind of the, the baseline of it. That's interesting. I'm going to have to listen back to this, I think, which is always yeah, really I, hard for me, but I'll have to listen back and, and maybe take some notes. Cause I think you're, I think you're doing a, a, a good job um, in, in explaining it and, and definitely the, the, the additional numbers add some context and obviously the, the conversation yeah. helps um, diving into more specific players on the roster and kind of digging through some of this. Cause I think that's ultimately where people are trying to, find a player's value um especially when they're playing poorly um they're tr- they're either trying to double down and say this this player is actually shit and they're the eye test is telling me this the numbers are telling me this or and that would be a, a josh bailey who i want to talk about first or on the other end where there's a player providing value and you can argue whether or not that's worth the money that they're going to be paid because they're not being paid this this season, but going to be paid and play like Bo Horvat, who's clearly adding value and has done something for the team, even if he's a little snake betting outside of um, Casey Sizikas giving him the, the alley-oop the other night against against the Devils. So I want to start with, with a player like Josh Bailey. Are his numbers, and I did, so this is a little cheating, it's a little bit of a leading question because I did see some charts out there before I wrote this question or, you know, I, I knew you were coming out for a couple of days. So I wrote this question a while back, but are Josh Bailey's stats as bad as the eye test makes him out to be at this point in his career? And I'm going to add a layer to, to this question. How much has he declined since even just last year or throughout this season? I, I, or if that's, if that's something that you have, um, it, has he declined like this season in the way that I think people are seeing him not play as well anymore? So <laughs> in short, the answer is yes. His numbers are, are as bad as, as the eye test uh, would serve. They're as bad as people are talking about. Um, so a, a metric I'm going to be talking about a lot um, going into this part is expected goals for percentage. So what that is, is when a player's on the ice, a certain amount of expected goals happen between both teams and the expected goals for percentage is the percent of those expected goals that belong to the player's team like that we're talking about. So just talking about Josh Bailey here right now, um, you know, they kind of tried him out again in that game versus Buffalo and he had a 6% expected goals for percentage, which is one of the worst I've seen (laughs) this season. So the way to think about that is when he was on the ice, only 6% of the expected goals that happened while he was on the ice belonged to the Islanders. So that's pretty terrible. That pretty much just means that Buffalo was kind of beating up on us whenever he was on the ice. Um, and that's just at, at the micro level. I mean, macro level too, he is really not having a good year uh, analytically at all. I think um, – he has the highest expected goals allowed per 60 on the team. So again, when he's on the ice, um, teams are piling on the expected goals. Um, and that's at even strength. 
but that's obviously when most of the game is played when he's playing the most. Uh, and he's been up and down the lineup, right? This yeah. isn't just he's playing with really good players and yes. something, you know, again, if he's playing with Bo Horvat right now and he's not scoring goals, it's going to be really hard, right? It's it, yeah. that's not going to do you any favors. It doesn't help that the he could have been on any line against in, in the Sabres game. And I guess you can look at shots for and, and all that that kind of stuff or shots against and, and everything and kind of say like, well, he had a good game. Um, I had one of those recently. I wasn't on in, in his beer league. I wasn't on the ice for any, we, it was like a seven, six game. I wasn't on the ice for any goals against. And I didn't yep. feel like, and that's like super, I mean, in beer league to give, you know, they're racking up goals. So in a game like that, again, where you're, you're playing with a line that isn't scoring any goals, you're also bad in, you know, without without you know uh trying to find another word for that you're you're not playing well um how do we contextualize that right because he could have a bad game and you kind of have to look in as you said like microstats giveaways um i don't know how it's um there's no actual grit per 60 but he he plays an <laughs> awful lot very well, let's call it passive a passive game at this point i think he's always played like this but how do we how can we further contextualize, I guess, just how bad I, and we'll go on the other side of this too, next with Bo Horvat's impact. So we can, you know, compare the, the, the two and how the stats kind of influence yeah. that. Yeah. How do you contextualize just how bad he's playing right now? So a lot of, um, you know, I, I mentioned that there were, there were bigger name stat accounts out there and what they actually do. I mean, you've probably seen, uh, like evolving wild or evolving hockey, they have like the the charts where there's a bunch of bars. They're called the wrap'em charts, and they have player cards too. And what they try to do in these cards is they try to do what you're talking about is really isolate players and their impact on the game. Because I mean, when we're looking at a stat like expected goals percentage, it is weighed also by line mates a little. But I haven't personally gotten into the world of isolating players and making like a war metric or anything. But um, some of the bigger accounts have, and I think they'll probably do it better than I could ever do it, honestly. I mean, they're, they have a lot more experience doing this, and I'm not ruling it out down the line by any means. But um, to kind of put it in perspective, using Evolving Hockey's um, uh, goals above replacement model, he is a nine overall, and he is in the 38th percentile for defense and 5% for offense, which is very, very bad. Um and so that what they're trying, I mean, those numbers are him isolated, like himself doesn't really have to, or they're, they're trying their best to isolate his play from line mates and stuff. So he is really just not having a good year at all. Um, and I, you mentioned earlier talking about the change from last year. Um, last year, he wasn't great either, I would say. I mean, it's still been a pretty, a, a little decline from last year, um, but he wasn't anywhere near the player that we saw a few years ago for really the past two, maybe three years. Yeah. I, I, I think it's hard. I mean, I think a lot of people find it difficult to just think about uh, a few years ago and those runs. And even um, after last season, it was, it was a really long year after, um, you know, short seasons, but life was just long and it, it's hard. Everything's mushed together. So I can't, oh, yeah. I can't really think about Bailey being quite this bad now i have tweets going back and i just tweeted out one of mine today from the nhp account i was like seven years ago i said i was like oh and, uh, you know all that effort 
and a turnover by Bailey. Um, just like, you know, giving it away. And, and that, so that's been his MO forever. I, I, I wish that there were, and now granted these kind of stats have been out for a minute, but I wish there was something all those years ago that highlighted this. And I'm surprised. I hear a lot that teams have all these other numbers that we don't have access to, which leads me to believe that they had them before the general public. And I still don't understand how it was happening. He had a, he was an all-star. I, I think we, we forget that. And he had a ridiculous amount of assists. I, I, I can't remember. 40? Maybe more than that. I, I can't even remember. Oh, yeah. 17, 18? Yep. I mean, Tavares was still on the team. Yeah, they both I mean, the all-star game. And I think I mean, there's a couple of things here. That was a long time ago. It was mm-hmm. five years five ago, years at, ago. That, at this yeah. point. So, you know, we've seen a serious decline in his play. And um, he's always had holes and it's been really difficult to watch. And then if, if so, and what you're saying, and we'll move on to Bohorvat, if what you're saying is that we, not only is he playing really bad this year, but that it's even worse. Like he's one of the worst players in the league and he's been being put now. Lambert has been putting between Dufour, Ratu, Bailey, Holmstrom players, either really young that have no business playing with Barzell or Josh Bailey, who yep. also has no business playing there at this point. And they're bad for different reasons. There, there's nothing there's nothing redeeming about Bailey at, at, at this point, so it's confusing. And he's, he's I think, just a warm body. But we'll move on to Borhorat because, again, I think Snakebitten got the goal last game. What's his impact been? I don't want I didn't want to split up with and without Barzell because I – Obviously, it's going to be really good with Barzell. They're, they yeah, were, they were yeah. clicking. But I, I wanted to look at his overall impact on the team. In, has he played 15 games yet? I can't even remember. It's really just been March. But he, he's you know he's played a number of games. And, uh, yeah, he's, so, I think he's at like 22, 23 maybe. 20, yeah, wow. Okay, yeah. so way more than that. Um, what's his impact been on the Islanders since he's got here? He's he's been great. He's been exactly what uh, was advertised out of him when right when we traded for him. I saw a lot of Canucks fans saying, and analytics too, saying you know this guy is great on offense, not so great on defense, and that's what we're getting out of him right now. Um, when he's on the ice, we're generating uh, three. What is it? I have it up right here. Three point one expected goals per sixty, which is good for fifth on the Islanders. Um, so far this entire season. So he's, he's been really good um, defense, not exactly so much. Um, and then I think one of his biggest features, honestly, I mean, he's almost 60% in the faceoff circle by far the best on the Islanders. Um, he's, he's been awesome. I, I did the whole thread on him. He, he obviously was on that 10 or 11 game goal drought or whatever. Um, and the big thing was he came into the Islanders on, an incredible shooting bender. His shooting percentage was through the roof. It very obviously wasn't going to be sustainable. Guys just don't shoot at the levels uh, that he was at. No one expected him, obviously, to regress to shooting 0% over 10 games. But like I said in the thread, um, he he's still generating these great chances. He's still putting up great numbers. I mean, in terms of slot chances and house chances and expected goals and everything. It's just, he, he was snake bitten. That's really all it was. 
And I mean, it's one thing to harp on a guy if he's, you know, out there, uh, like quote unquote public skating, <laughs> he's not doing anything, but he was generating really good chances. And I mean, he did score one, like albeit an, an empty net goal, but I think that one's going to really start to get him going because he's been really good. And I think uh, we'll start to see some of those goals fall in soon again. Are the underlying numbers, and I think you you partially answered this question, but I just want to be more explicit with it. Are the underlying numbers the same so far with the Islanders, given even given the small sample size, as they were with Vancouver before the trade? So which would have been maybe 40 games or high 30s? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is is that shooting percentage. That's that. I mean, when he was with Vancouver, I, I, I don't know the exact number, but he was shooting maybe like uh, – I, I could like 30% maybe 20 something percent and wow. obviously that's a, that's not sustainable like that's going to go down but besides that I I'm I'm not seeing a huge dip in in any sort of underlying number for him um, at least according to my metrics uh, he was great with them and he's been great with us too um, and I, I, I a lot of people are are confused maybe about why we would give him such a big contract and you see a lot of people saying oh like He's getting eight million, but he was just lucky. He was on that big, uh, that big shooting, uh, shooting percentage streak. But besides the shooting percentage, I mean, he's still a really good hockey player. Like I mentioned his faceoffs earlier, that's huge. He's still really good on offense. He's gonna help with this lineup no matter where you put him. So I think, I mean, it can't be stated enough just how good this guy is, and and I really do think he's gonna be worth every dollar that he's getting um, in within the next eight years. I think it's interesting. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that when the when he got to the team, obviously he brought a lot of stability, and I think that brings a lot of confidence to the rest of the club. But yes. I think additionally, I don't think it's a coincidence that his leadership, like he showed up and the team was focused. Yes, they were. Exactly. I, I, I think, and that's kind of beyond the analytics. And I was going to talk to James about that a little bit, but he's he's not. He wasn't able to be here tonight. I, I don't think that that's a coincidence that the, the team kind of got it together. Now, I don't understand the Columbus and the Buffalo losses in that in that context and even a few other losses during that time. But they de- they've definitely been able to get up four games and, and, and to close out Horvat really quickly um, in 49 games. He was shooting 21.7 percent, which is crazy. Yes, His career is. high was 17 and a half percent. And that was the season before. And. He's definitely shooting the puck as much with the Islanders as he was with Vancouver. I think that's yep. where you'd be able to tell us, oh, well, he's actually shooting less high danger shots than he was in Vancouver, just because based on Islanders get a lot less shots on goal and they're at times a perimeter team, but he has 109 shots so far in 23 games and he had 215 in 49 games. Not a math guy. It's about half, as far as I'm concerned, and and yep. pretty you know in the same. And so the it's it's looking like he's not doing much different outside of maybe where he's taking those shots from necessarily. Yep. So I, it's interesting, and I um by the end of the season, obviously he'll play about half the season with each. I'd love to see the breakdown on high danger versus low danger shots for, and maybe what those results were. And obviously, twenty one point seven percent wasn't ever going to be sustainable he's never, he's never yeah he's you know in the mid-teens he even and that was the last few seasons were the mid-teens that's hockey is brought to you by DraftKings. 
The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins, only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. One of the recent episodes, James and I were talking about, I made a comment. We're talking about Sebastian Ajo. And I made the comment, which partially made me think of bringing you on the show, thinking about Sebastian Ajo as, this is probably not a fair comparison, but I'm curious. Sebastian Ajo as a Devon Taves replacement. Right. I think we were all really unhappy. I think still unhappy. Um, and he's on a very different club than um, than Sebastian Ajo. But this year, Colorado's gone through some injury troubles. And it might be a little more comparable as far as those two players are concerned, not the teams. Um, is Tell me about Sebastian Ajo's influence. And is he close to a Devin Taves replacement is he on track for that eventually could he does it look like it's trending in that direction i um i actually i have uh, some pretty interesting thoughts about aho i i don't think he's on the level of of taves right now i don't know if that's something he can reach i i personally think taves is honestly one of the best defensemen in the league right now when we traded him, I was really upset. I mean, just from his statistical profile, he was awesome for us. And I mean, I guess they had to clear space somehow at the time, but not a guy that I love to see going. Um, I don't know if Aho can reach that level. I, but I, his taste came I, out of nowhere. If you yes. remember, he absolutely yeah. came out of nowhere. I'm, this is partially me just trying to make myself feel better. And yep. thinking about in the role that he's playing and his skating ability. And again, this is yeah. eye test only and not looking at, at much else. Mm. Mostly me just trying to make myself feel better. And, and hopefully we can just move <laughs> forward as a defensive group, but continue. So I, Sebastian Ajo gets a whole lot of hate on, on Twitter, on, on anywhere that, that that's talking about the Islanders. People are not ever happy with him. He has a, very good statistical profile this year. And I think that's when people are kind of, they start to say, I mean, there's always a debate. Are, are these stats even real? Like, should we trust them? And this is one where people see them and they're like, oh, the, these stats suck. Like the player cards, they all suck everything. But he has the lowest expected goals per 60 when he's on the ice at even strength on the team um, among regular defensemen. I mean, he's played something a thousand something minutes uh, of even strength hockey and he is suppressing shots really well. But I do. This is uh, shots against, not shots yes, for. Yes, shot, shots okay. against. He's, he's helping okay. suppress shots really well. And I, I mentioned it earlier. I do like to blend eye test and analytics together. And I do understand why people are upset with him. I mean, he falls over five times a game. There are a lot of decision making things that I personally think are a little off with him still. But on a macro level, he has honestly been one of our better defensemen this year. Um, just from a pure analytics standpoint, I, I, I think the statistics, the analytics, everything kind of 
favor him a lot more than the, the general population does. Interesting. Well, I, I don't I don't want to dive too far because we, I'm sure we can get a whole tangent on just on how he's not Devon Taves and it. it'll make everybody upset. So we'll <laughs> we'll move on. I want to talk about Palmieri's resurgence. Definitely. Because especially the last few games in particular, um, he he does have that extra level. And I think recently we're seeing the player that we thought we were getting when we traded for him. Right. I, I don't I think in that he was he on a playoff run? These not these these years are all he, he was are on all, a playoff run um when we lost to Tampa in seven games. Right. That was a year so that I, we traded for him. Even even then I don't think we were seeing this player. No. And last year was disappointing. He was disappointed. He did turn on the second half of the season. He was injured uh parts of this season. It was a little scary. But yep. this is the player I think that we were all expecting. 100%. And, yeah. And it does and I, I know one of the questions I have is is this sustainable for him or is he just kind of running with with the extra time and he's just bene- he's benefiting from a Brock Nelson who is he could be pretty silky at times and he's a, himself a goal scorer. Um he's playing a little bit with Zach Parise that doesn't I don't think it's every single shift um, or every single game, but obviously he's got a lot of speed and tenacity, and that's something that Palmieri, for for the his goal scoring ability, can be a tough player to play against. He he doesn't shy away from hits and different things. Uh, might be the Long Island in him that just he just hasn't had to. <laughs> but is is this what we can expect from him, or is this what we should be expecting from him, or is he just kind of pushing himself to in another gear right now? Yeah, I mean, he's I I haven't written down here. He's by far been I think our most valuable player. Um, last six games, he has ten points, and underlying numbers too. He's paired it with a sixty percent uh, expected goals for percentage at even strength. He is playing really good hockey, and the line um, Engvall, Nelson, Palmieri, that line has to stay forever. They are absolutely incredible right now. I can't say enough good things about him. I. I do think this is something that we can't expect from him. Uh, You know, you talk about if maybe it's just like kind of the next man up mentality, like Barzal goes down and a lot of different guys have stepped up and he's one that stands out to me that absolutely has stepped up. But I mean, even going back more, I mean, it's been since he returned from his injury, honestly, I really do think he's been one of our best players. Um, I don't have the exact numbers now, but I, I know he's been shooting the puck a ton uh, and just been absolutely incredible. Um, just an awesome player. And I, I do think that this is very sustainable for him. Uh, just, you know, I think he kind of needed just a little a little hot streak like this. And, and all the numbers tell me that he could probably keep this up. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching him and that line play. It's interesting that you say now I, I'm forgetting angles on this team slightly taller <laughs> uh brock nelson brock somebody nelson. said that yeah, i think exactly. yeah it just is a longer neck it's incredible it's, <laughs> it's like a foot long it's it's crazy um and it's it's interesting palmieri is not as smooth of a player as maybe his stats would lead you to believe and maybe the category like his his comparisons and other players in the league he's a little clumsy out there at times he is he and it's even Parise looks like this sometimes. Um, he, they're just going 
ham out there. They are going balls to the wall. And I can appreciate that. Like the eye test is telling me they're trying really hard. And sometimes someone, I forget what podcast I was listening to that. Yes, they're trying really hard, but is that just because they're inefficient or is it because they need to do it? And there's actual results. And I think it's interesting. He's trying really hard. Parisi's trying, trying really hard. And there you see the results. Sizikas is another player, which oh yeah, I, I saw, and I didn't put this in here, but in our notes, but maybe you know a little bit about it. His numbers, his underlying numbers, Casey Zizekas, that is, his numbers aren't great, but he tries and he looks like he's making an impact out there. And that's that might be a good example for us in the future to, to kind of dive into a little bit more in the difference between why Zach Parise and Casey Zizekas look like they're doing the exact same thing out there. Yet one, it has 20 goals and there has like five, yep. maybe, I don't, I don't even know. It, it's not a lot. It, it, it's not good. Can you can you speak to that? I know we're going off script a little bit here. Are, is, can you speak to that a little bit? I, I I think it might have to do a little bit of of the role they're playing. I mean, I I do think that you are right in that it does look like that they're doing the same thing out there. I I, I see a little more of. I, I don't really know. It's tough. I mean, Parisi, I I do have this number. It's that he he stepped up huge offensively since Barzal's been out. He's at ten points, um, six goals, four assists. He's been absolutely awesome. And I I don't know if maybe it's something with a role there, but I, I think he just might have uh, just maybe a little more offensive talent than Sezikis, and maybe more like, hey, like go score while Sezikis, you kind of try to go you know, four checkers. I, I, I don't know exactly what it is. Um, and I don't really, I mean, have had one of these years, right? If you yeah. remember, did he have, t- he actually hit 20 goals. Um, yeah. Maybe it was 17 or, or something like that. Or a number now that may have been a long time ago at this point. Yeah. 20 goals, 18, 19. Yep. So, and then he's, he's more of a seven to, to 10 goal goal score. And, and for Zach Parise, you can go, well, maybe a shooting percentage is high. It's at 12.4%, which during his, you know, decent seasons, even in Minnesota, he's kind of shot there his entire career. The last two seasons were more of an anomaly, frankly. And yeah. last season was like a, a percent and a half down on a, you know, a bad um, Islanders team. But, and he, but he still has 15 goals. Like he's, he's yeah. on, he's well, he's at 21 now, which, and, and he still has a, a number of games to go, seven games to go here. Um, versus Zekas, this is definitely a down year shooting percentage wise but yeah i think the two of them that's it's that it probably requires a deeper discussion um they look like they're doing the same they're doing the same thing out there um i want to talk about noah dobson because his his production especially since the beginning of the season so he had a really strong second half of last season and a good maybe few months to start the year uh, with the islanders and then it's been quiet What's his impact been? Is he still effective in what the Islanders are trying to get him to do? And, and this is, you know, he's he's on the power play and the quarterback, the quarterback in the power play, and it's at power play has been shit. Um, some of that strategy, some of it's the players need to get their head out of their ass. But what's what's Dobson's role in all that? Maybe that's 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 part of this question. And is he still as effective in in his role as the Islanders need him to be? Yeah, I mean, I. Personally, I don't know if he should be quarterbacking this power play anymore. He uh, 
he's another guy who with the eye test is lining up exactly with what the analytics say. Um, terrible, terrible, terrible on defense, but he's shooting the puck a lot. Um, I mean, he, there's probably like two or three times a game where I'm watching him and I'm like, what are you doing? Like why bad decisions, like just playing pucks wrong. And the stats are telling us that too. I mean, he, he's letting up, what is it? Um, 2.8 expected goals against per 60 when he's on the ice, um, which is, I believe the, uh, second highest on the team among defensemen. Yeah. I mean, just, and when I watch him on the power play too, I just don't think he, he's really fit for it right now. I I don't think it's a permanent change to get him off and, and just maybe like refresh it a little and just kind of try someone new out there. But I just don't know if he, I, he, I don't know if he's out of it or what, but I just don't think he's, he's fit for, for the power play right now. Um, I do still think he's valuable. I think it's valuable to have a guy that can shoot pucks at the net all the time, right shot defenseman. That's good. But there are absolutely things he has to improve upon in his game for him to, to really be the player that we all thought he would be. I think what's interesting is he had 13 goals last season and exactly 13 goals this season. And he's, he's eight points off, you know, his career high He's a short career, but last year he had 51 points. Now he's 43. Um, shooting percentage is almost identical as 0.1 off from, from last season. Um, and he's got eight games to go. So it wouldn't be surprising for him to just get, you know, a point a game or, you know, averaging a point a game the rest of the way and have the exact same stats. But it doesn't look like he's he's as effective. And I think this is, you know, I'm I'm using hockey reference just for some um, for some possession metrics. His Corsi four percentage is at fifty seven point three, which is on the good side of of, of things. Yeah. And they don't dive into some of those things, some like that that you're speaking about, or at least I don't understand what any of these other charts are, but. <laughs> So you're saying he's he's allowing more goals per game, even though that when he's on the ice, the hit, hit the his teammates between him and his teammates, they're shooting the puck more. So they have more possession, in theory, and, but they're allowing more goals. And that, how do you isolate that? Like you're talking about Josh Bailey, how do we isolate what the problem is there? Because clearly they're owning the puck. But the other direction, and we saw it the other night, was that Dobson or was that Pulak, the um, a breakaway? I can't, I can't remember. They pinched and yep. pretty much gave up. I was a shorthanded goal. Yeah. Um, sure. And how do we isolate that? Like, what's what's happening there? So they have the puck, but they're allowing more. When when they don't, they're just allowing a goal. Yeah, I mean that's. I, I think what it really comes down to is is defensive play right there. I mean. They're, they're letting up high-quality chances, or uh, Dobson in particular, when he's on the ice, the, the team's letting up high-quality chances. And, I mean, as, as good as Sorokin is, it's if you face so many of them, it's going to be tough to stop every single one of them. Um, so I, I think that's just that's what it comes down to is, is just well, – you, you, even even if it seems like they might be uh, possessing the puck more, shooting more, if you're letting up really bad chances a lot, then it's going to be tough to 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 stop all those. And so I think it really just boils down to poor defensive play. It's interesting. I, I'd I'd love a comparison at a different time. Dobson and his defense partners this year, which have been a number of them, and last year because his his numbers on on the whole seem to be the same. 
So there's something else kind of happening here. His, his PDO is almost identical. It's one point lower than last year. Um, team on ice save percentage identical. So there's there's something going on here that it may just be situationally bad, you know, close games, and that's kind of raising the um, and maybe that's a future a future advanced stat. It's one thing to allow a goal in a five one game. Right, and that is going to change your underlying numbers for the game. But if it's like a game-winning goal against, or game-tying goal against in the last number of minutes, that should change the value of what that goal against is, or for like if it's on the other on the other side of things. Like I wonder that about Dobson. Is it that yeah. they're trusting him and they shouldn't, and it's just situationally he's not letting in more goals per se, but situationally in a game that's closer, he's allowing that goal. Mm. That, I wonder in the future, if unless that already exists, because I'm not as plugged in, I wonder if that's something. Because that might be it. All, I, what I'm looking at is our numbers that are not really that different. Granted, yeah, whatever, you know, for all the great hockey reference, I do not know how um, effective they are as, uh, as, as advanced stats. To me, I you know, <laughs> they do the trick. Um but I wonder if there's anything there in the future. Yeah. Uh, staying on defense for a second and just a younger player, and we'll, we have a, just a couple more here, and then I'll, I'll let you go. Um, Islanders defense, we're talking about, you know, in the offseason, do we re-sign Mayfield? Um, where do you put Ajo? What does what the, the future of the Islanders kind of defensive core look like? And Bolduc's gotten a shot with Sebastian Ajo out of the lineup. Very small sample size. Um, I did like what I saw from him earlier in the season in his little stint, and now now he's back. A couple bad turnovers here and there. Young player just, you know, working it out. A uh, little grease on the end of his stick or something. But are, what are we seeing from Samuel Bolduc so far and – how does it compare, even with the small sample size, to some of uh, some of his peers on the back end? Yeah, no, I I've been a fan of him ever since he 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 played uh, first game for us this year. It has been a small sample size, obviously, but I I think he's been absolutely awesome in the minutes that he has had. Um, and again, going back to eye test analytics, I when I watch him too, I'm I'm impressed with him. I mean, it, defense is a very hard position to play. And I think with the role that he's had, um, he's he's handled himself super well. Um, and, you know, like you mentioned, I don't know how this defense is constructed next year. I'm sure it'll be very similar to this year. I mean, give or take Mayfield, Ajo, whatever. But, yeah, I, I could see him getting minutes uh, next year. Um, the, the, the big stat I have on him is that he has the second best goals, goals allowed per 60. Um on the team or the second best he's actually with no time on ice cutoff. He's only behind Parker Wotherspoon, who I also thought has been pretty good for us this year, but um, he's only allowing 0.92 uh, goals per 60 when he's on the ice. So that's really good. Um, but if we look at expected goals, which is probably a better evaluation because that takes out goaltender play. Um, he is at, um, he's at a, what is he? A uh, 50% expected goals for percentage um, and a 2.8 expected goals allowed per 60, 
which is still really good for a young defenseman. It just might not reflect the actual goals number, but I, I think he's been super good in his in his minutes so far. So it's he's played ten games um, tonight. Uh, as we're recording this, they're they're gonna drop the puck in in a few minutes here. Um, you know, in, in ten games, he has a lot more de- uh, offensive zone starts than defensive zone. So, so they're sheltering him a little bit. Um, yep. I'm sure he's not playing nearly as much as many minutes, rather as um, as as the rest of the lineup, and that's kind of to be expected, given that they they need to roll their their defensemen a little bit. I don't think they, I think with Pulak and Pelic, who, who's back together now um, on a more regular basis, they they roll them out a little bit, but they, they really everyone gets their their fair share. I don't know. Um, again, eye test versus actual numbers, and these aren't even advanced analytics. Um, average time on ice. It's actually Adam Pellick, but it's Scott Mayfield, and then Pulak and Dobson. So everyone's kind of getting around the uh, you know the twenty-ish minutes or a little bit more. Yeah. Um, Aho is actually on the lower side, which is interesting in in the sixteen seventeen minute range. Um, and then Pe- Pellick, I mean, he played twenty five minutes the other night, twenty um, something minutes of even him actually. Someone I wanted to talk about. He's been probably our best defenseman the past five games. Uh, not a lot of people I've seen talking about it, but he's been absolutely incredible recently. I think yeah, in the past, former All Star. I mean, yeah. it doesn't speak to. He has some silky shootout moves, um, and, and every once in a while he pulls it out. But yeah, on the defensive yeah. end, it's it's easy to point to him as be- the best on the defense. Yeah, and I, I know. I mean, he definitely. It, it's it's definitely fair to say he's had ups and downs this year, um, probably a little more than we're used to with him. But, I mean, the past six games, he's had a 63% expected goals for percentage uh, and even strength play. Um, I mean, just playing very incredible hockey. Uh, the only game he had under 50% expected goals percentage was against New Jersey, where most of the team got caved in in, in terms of expected goals. But I mean, Especially in the second period. Yeah, yeah. No, but he's he's been awesome. He's been someone that I don't think of recent has been getting really enough love, at least from from what I've seen myself. Uh, very quickly, the last uh, three players here, and again, I appreciate your time. Yeah, of um, course. I, I, you, you had a good thread about Pierre Engvall, so I want to go through that first, and then against you know our new uh, following that our uh, our our darling uh, Hudson Fashing. Who's kind of oh, broken yeah. on the scene here, and then we're gonna we're gonna end on a little bit of a negative note, I think. Um, but that's okay. I feel like that's Islanders country, um, yep, and then we'll we'll both get to uh, watch puck drop against the Washington Capitals here. Um, Pierre Engvall, his impact is it sustainable? Um, we heard a lot of negative things from Leaf fans kind of coming in here. There's a reason why he was a third round pick. I repeated that on this show, um, but he's seemingly found his groove. Um, is this is this the player? And, and I think he's had twenty goal seasons before. Like this isn't this isn't crazy. I think it's just a little bit inconsistent. And then and maybe just finding. Um, actually, I apologize. No twenty goal seasons. Uh, Fifteen, sixteen goals. Um, and he's not really been in the NHL that long. Um, is this is this who we should expect him to be moving forward? Um. I will say he is his shooting percentage, uh, 23% right now, um, and even strength play. But he's been, he, uh, my camera's getting messed up here. Um, 
he's been awesome though. He's he's been with us for eleven games now. Um, six points, four goals, two assists, um, nine slot chances, eighteen house chances. Which, for more clarity on what those are, I have a, a thread on them. It's kind of <laughs> tough to explain. Um, but I mean, he's been awesome. I think this is honestly maybe the production ticks down just a tad bit, but I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's fair to say this is around what we're going to see out of him. He's had, a about a 60% even strength expected goals for percentage when he's on the ice, um, a 63% goals for percentage. So when he's on the ice, they're, they're putting the puck in the net. Um, and like I was talking about earlier, the, the Palmieri, uh, Nelson Engvall line has been just absolutely incredible. Um, they're generating 8.39 goals for per 60 when that line is on the ice, which is absolutely <laughs> unheard of. Obviously, that number is going to go down a little, but I, I, I love the addition so far. I think he's been pretty incredible for us, and, and I'm excited for, for him. Hopefully, they can find a way to slot him in this lineup next year. Um, and as an argument for Hudson fashion, because we're going to send this segment of the podcast to Lou Lamorello. I don't know how we got to put it on a VHS and send it to his office <laughs> um, or, a, a, yeah, something, a laser disc or something like that. I'm sure he's got one of those players. Um, Hudson fashion. What, what are his, you know, because he, he, as of late, this is a different player than what we saw. We saw an effective player, maybe a Sezekis level, a Sezekis replacement level kind of player. And then we kind of saw him become Parise level, right? And we talked about the difference between those two players who all three of them look like they're doing the same thing. And Parise looks like, you know, he's obviously the most effective in that. Um, Hudson Fashing doesn't always look pretty when he's out there. Um, he, he he skates like the cinder block. Like you'd imagine a cinder block skating down the ice at times. It's, it's very awkward. Um who is Hudson Fashing? What? Who is this player? Especially all of a sudden, he's he's incredible. I there's very easily a case that that he should be on the roster next year. I I think I mean he's definitely on the roster. I mean he, I think he should even be regular next year. Um. So I, I talked a little bit about the the goals above replacement metric that Evolving Hockey has, and he's fifth on the Islanders right now at six point three goals above replacement which is really, really good. I think ahead of him is like Nelson, Ajo, a, a few other guys. Um, he has 10 points since Barzal's been out, so he's another one of those guys that's that's stepped up. Um, and in the last 10 games, he's leading the team in individual expected goals. So just based on, on his shots alone, he's leading the team um, at 2.75. Um, and, I mean, he he's just – and that's only at even strength, too. I mean, he – he doesn't, I mean, that's really his game, but 12 slot chances, um, 17 high, uh, house chances. He's been incredible. I, I, I can't advocate enough for this guy to be on the roster next year. I mean, you know, you see a lot of like, I mean, it kind of started off like, oh, this guy's really good. Like he was kind of like a meme a little, like he's, he's playing a really good brand of hockey, but no, he's, he's very much a good hockey player. And if this is production we can get out of him, I, I hope he stays for a while, honestly. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I said, it, it this is a tale of two different players. This just yeah. wasn't who who was there. And I don't he was he's off the fourth line and and maybe it's just a role thing. I think you alluded that, you know, with Sezekis and Parise earlier in that discussion. But there's something else. Uh, maybe it's just it's just the confidence. 
Um, a couple people had really great articles. Stephen Rosner and Kevin Curtis both had really good articles about bashing in his time in Rochester, just an hour and a half down Route 90 and 490 from me, where I am now in Syracuse. And I can understand why you get a little, um, a little depressed and a, and a little down on yourself playing in the AHL and in this area, and you don't really know anybody. Um, I, I related to that, um, obviously not on a professional hockey level, but just kind of in general, um, being being and living in this area um, at at times anyway. Um, I just wonder if he can kind of not just put it together, but keep it together, uh, or is he going to to drop off? And again, if they make the playoffs, they're going to need him. Hopefully, he doesn't run out of steam. Can he be this player in the playoffs? Um, I, I hope he can step up there. No, I, I agree. I, I mean, his story's great too. The, the, the Rosner piece um, was, was awesome. I, I love the guy. I think, I, I think he's, he's earned a spot in this lineup, no question about it. And, and I, I really want nothing but the best for him. He's, he just seems like an awesome guy and, and a great story too. Like you said, grinding it out in the AHL for so many years, and then, and then really getting a chance here and improving that he can play at that level it's it's awesome to see he's it's a similar story you know obviously not comparing some of the specifics but it's it's the story that i thought cole bardrow was going to have with the islanders a couple years ago and so it's interesting that they had you know they signed fashion last summer um it's interesting that they even got another shot at it and he's the winger version of Cole Bardra, who yeah. I still don't think got the the long enough look. Um, they obviously don't need him at center, but there's a couple of players that they could really uh, try at this point of, um, instead of Josh Bailey or our last player, Simone Holmstrom, and you know, on the wing just to kind of give them, uh, you know, Durando, Oshkov, all the um, all these players. So it's um, maybe in the future. I don't know what Bardo's contract looks like, but. Last player here, Simon Holmstrom. Are his numbers as head scratching and inconsistent as his play indicates? Because there there are times he drags the puck like Nelson, and other times he looks like Josh Bailey. And he has five goals this season and, a, and an assist at six points. And he's played all up and down the lineup. I can't understand how his point totals are so low. Are the underlying numbers, again, isolated numbers and not because he's playing with the Barzell at times, playing with Bo Horvat at times, playing with Nelson at times, and and Pajdao, whose numbers are also not always really great, um, despite, again, what we see on the ice, much like Sezikis, probably because they're role players and some of their minutes are eaten up on the penalty kill. But who is Simon Holmstrom? And is this consistent with just kind of who he's been as a player so far in the NHL? Yeah, what what I see out of him is, I mean, he's 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 a good defender, uh, but when you bring up head scratching, I mean, he's only, he's played eighty three minutes of even strength hockey the past ten games, and he's leading the team in expected goals for percentage at sixty three percent during that time. So, I it, it seems like his his role, I mean, kind of just like a maybe a defense forward first type uh, type player. But I mean, because in, in that span, he's letting up only 1.6 expected goals allowed per 60, which is the lowest on the team. So he's, I mean, if, if you want to say that's him or, or, or line mates or whatever, but I mean, when he's on the ice, the Islanders are suppressing shots 
granted, again, a small sample size, and, and this is only the last 10 games, too. But I, I, you know, the, he said like five goals, whatever the point total is. I, I don't know. I mean, I have him at 1.69 individual expected goals in the last 10 games. So I, I, I guess he could show some finishing there. But I mean, so what I'm seeing out of him is he's he's suppressing shots um, and he's helping out on defense actually a pretty good amount um, based on all the numbers. Does he need to shoot the puck more? He's at 14.3%. He's 35 shots in 45 games. Is it a matter... Now, the, the shot percentage can go down, but the number of goals can go up. Is it volume? Is he getting low danger shots on goal? And that's why he's not... Because a shot a game isn't really... A, like Averaging a shot a game, I don't think is is great. I mean, he's not going to be Alex Ovechkin or Bobby Orr or you know, Ray Bork or anything like that getting crazy shots on goal. and But... Is it just the type of shots that he's putting on net are, are kind of suppressing his numbers a little bit? Yeah, it could be. I, in, in the last 10 games, I have him at four uh, slot chances for, nine house chances for. Um, and then on the year, uh, 15 slot chances, 41 house chances. So, I mean, only 15 slot chances throughout the year obviously isn't great. That's not totally high quality per se. But um. But yeah, it, it could be if, if he finds some more better or some uh, better like shot attempts like that, that a few more could fall. But but I don't know. I, right now, he seems like a, a defensive guy, and and hopefully he does start to get put up some better shots, and and we can see where his numbers really take him. Zach, I really appreciate your time. I can't wait to dive in. Uh, maybe right before the playoffs or something. Um, if our schedules line up, I think that'd be really great. Um, to kind of dissect the season, the last 10 games or so, um, their first round matchup and kind of dive into some of these numbers. Uh, we really appreciate, and I don't know, James, I really appreciate you taking the time um, to join us on the show today. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me again. Uh, would love to come back on whenever. Thanks again to Zach for joining us on today's episode. Please rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Aspen Hockey. You can find James Burke at the fourth period and make sure you sign up for and read Isles Fix, an excellent curated Islanders newsletter. And in lieu of James being on the show today, until next time, let's go Isles.